filled with teaching, truths and issues that matter. Bernie Diamond's A Different Perspective, part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. Rise and Shine with Robbo and Becky on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy, is with me again. First time for this year, though. John, how are you going? Well, it's great to see you again, mate. Good to have you in with me this morning while Becky's uh, celebrating her daughter's birthday today. Mm. So we're surprised her at home, Good which is pretty special. But, uh, John, you know, uh, first time back in the studio for 2021. How's the new year shaped up for you? Okay, well, tomorrow I catch a plane, hopefully, COVID uh, permitting and all <laughs> yeah. those sort of things, right? And head off to our new museum just opened in Tasmania. Oh, fantastic. You couldn't pick a worse time to open a new Christian (laughs) convention than right in the middle of COVID shutdowns and uncertainty, etc. But it's looking good. And our first clients have been Chinese and atheist. Oh, wow. So great stuff. So that's one thing we've got up and running. Jurassic Ark is slowly re-emerging from COVID close downs and research has been great. We even blew up our our second lot of methane experiments last week, gently of course, (laughs) to prove that you can do it as in Noah's flood. So it's been an encouraging year. So can you blow up methane gently, can you? um, Well, you can if you burn it from the outside in. If you put the oxygen in, in fact, that's what we had to be careful of, that no air leaked in because it becomes an explosive at 4% air. So when you get a crack in like we did, right, you have to start again and redo (laughs) it. So test everything, says the Scriptures, and it's really good advice. Well, that sounds fascinating. I'll find out a bit more about the the new museum that's opened later this morning, because obviously people in Tassie Mm. would be keen particularly to get along with that. So we'll find out more about that. But people can obviously uh, find about anything that you guys Mm -hmm. are doing. At yep. uh, creationresearch.net. So you can always mm-hmm. go there and get the details of uh, you know, the Jurassic Ark in Queensland, the new one in Tassie, mm-hmm. and lots of other things that are going on at the moment with John Mackay, the creation guy. We'd love to hear from you this morning. You can call through with your questions of John. 1-800-316-316. We do have a post on Facebook that you can uh, comment there and ask your questions as well, but we always love to hear from you on the phones. So call through 1-800-316-316 with your questions for John Mackay, the creation guy. Across Australia, this is Rise and Shine with Robbo and Friends on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy, is with me, and we're live on Facebook this morning, so a big day to everybody on Facebook who can watch this video because John's got a bit of show and tell uh, that he's brought within this morning. What have you got there, John? It looks a bit like it show looks a bit like a boomerang, but it's Tasmanian Museum and our new <laughs> Brisbane Museum, etc. Have a good look at that. Can you see a, a rock cod? Well, maybe it's a fossil fish. Uh, it really is a great fossil, but what's interesting is it's come apart. But there's a reason for me bringing this this morning because if you get close up, can you bring that? Can you see the end? What's interesting about this fish is if I put it together, you can see beautifully preserved scales. The fins are great. Um, You can see the eyeballs. But what you can also see is the guts. The guts and the eggs are actually still intact. Because this fish (laughs) demonstrates that you can't take time to make a fossil because it rots. Unless you make a fossil real quick, you don't make a fossil at all. You don't need time. You need a process get rid of the millions of years, we'd have no fossils if the world was vastly old. A simple point, but a good one. The rocks cry out the praises of God who made the world quick, who destroyed the world quick, and any catastrophe that occurs now, they're the only way you can even think about producing fossils. Big beds, big flood. <laughs> That's fascinating. Well, have a look at that on Facebook, because obviously you can see what John's talking about there. But just for those people that can't see it on Facebook, John, explain what you've got. So you've basically got a fossil of a fish. Okay, we have uh, a fossil that- of a fish that I got from South America. Uh, they occur in these sort of concretions, mm-hmm. uh, the brown concretions. And when you chisel them out, the fish is beautifully preserved inside. It's amazing. Uh, not only preserved on the outside of the fish, but preserved on the inside as we've um, showed the folks yeah. on the video here, right? That's incredible. So you can see the intestines. Yeah. You can even see the eggs. You can figure out how old it was. You can even find what it had for its last meal. <laughs> Not a long time, but real quick. Well, that's it. Exactly. I mean, if it's yeah. if the food is still there in, in the right. stomach, then you know that it was buried suddenly that's right. as opposed to you know, slow process yep. over so lots and lots of So come to Jurassic Ark. Come to our new Tassie Museum. I'm down there this weekend. Right. Um, it's great. Well, let's give us a bit of detail about because you've mentioned it a couple of times, and particularly for those watching on Facebook, if you're in Tassie, 
Uh, get along. So this is the northern parts of Tassie, it's isn't the it? The northern part of Tassie, yes. We are at Beauty Point, just north of Launceston. And if you go to the Beauty Point Wharf, there's the Seahorse World at one end, then there's Platypus World. This is tourist heaven, yeah. right? <laughs> okay. And then at the other end is us, the Creation Discovery Centre. So we look forward to seeing you there. It's a great family day, great for schools, all those sort of things. Uh, it's user-friendly. And as I've already shared with Robbo, our first customers were Chinese students investigating and antagonistic skeptics, but they came. So great opportunity That's to share great. the wonderful works of God. So see you there. That's awesome. So it's only just open, isn't it? It's, it's only it's just brand open, new. yeah. So that's Beauty Point, and north of Launceston, on the sea, on the, the wharf there, Seahorse World at one end, then the Platypus World, then us at the other end. Excellent. All right, well, get along and see that if you can. And, of course, if you're looking for the details of that or the you know, uh, Jurassic Ark in Queensland, uh, creationresearch.net is the place to go. Uh, to see uh, the details of where these different uh, venues right. are um, and also different events that you guys are doing because you are travelling all the time as, you know, as COVID allows, as you said earlier. <laughs> so um, check it out, creationresearch.net. But if you've got a question for John, uh, we do have this uh, live video happening on Facebook at the moment, so ask your questions there or give us a call and let us know your questions for John Mackay, the creation guy. You can call 1-800-316-316. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy. And uh, Haley was just in doing a live video. You can see it on Facebook of John showing off this amazing fossil. Uh, checked it out on Facebook this morning. But uh, Haley, you've got a question for John. So while you're here, I thought you might as well ask him on the radio. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect timing for you to be here. John Mackay live, really. John Mackay live. <laughs> <laughs> So over Christmas, I was listening. I have a new friend, and we were listening to the first five chapters of Genesis together. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it goes through creation, and it came out that I believe that the world is created in literal six days, as mm-hmm. the Bible says, mm-hmm. and he believes that the world is millions of years old because of carbon dating. Mm-hmm. How can I? I don't want to just win the argument, but how mm. can I, in an educated way, convince him that carbon dating isn't real and the the world is actually was created in six days and the world's mm-hmm. only about 7,000 mm-hmm. years old. Okay, a multi-pronged three-hour lecture. Um, <laughs> short version, again, go to the Q&A site on creationresearch.net, insert carbon-14, age of Earth, old Earth, etc. Uh, simple answer for the radio. If you are dealing with people, mostly their questions are based on false presuppositions, like in this case, Carbon-14, it's in Woman's Weekly, it's in New Ideas, it's in all the old magazines, in National Geographic, it's in a school textbook, and there's no way in the world it could prove the world is millions of years old because even if it worked, it would stretch to 70,000 years with the most expensive equipment, right? Not the ordinary equipment they use in labs. They're really, really high-quality stuff, right? Now, that's if it worked. So you can't believe the world is millions of years old based on carbon-14, uh, secondly, if you even accept the carbon-14 philosophy that nitrogen gets radiated by the cosmic radiation, converts to radioactive carbon, gets into plants and you date the plant, oh, this plant's got enough carbon-14 left to have died 40,000 years ago. Right? only works on dead things. But here's what else it works on. Diamonds. Now, you look up diamond on Wikipedia or Wikipedia, as some people call it, right? <laughs> you look up diamond and you'll find diamonds were created billions of years ago. But don't use the word created. They were produced in the earth mm-hmm. due to this and that millions and millions and sometimes billions of years ago. And then if you really look up the research papers, there's a little puzzle. Diamonds have radioactive carbon-14 in them. Now, anything that's supposedly billions of years old or even millions of years old shouldn't have a trace of carbon-14 because it gets to zero trace around about 70,000 years in theory, all right? Mm. Le- nextly, I've got heaps of dinosaur bones. Dinosaur bones are interesting because when I go looking for them, I shock people by saying, what we're looking for is where the cows and the dogs have been chewing. They are the best dinosaur bone finders because dinosaur bones still have nutrition in them. They still have tissue in them, and it's becoming more and more accepted, but they also have carbon-14. Now, dinosaurs died out 200 million, 100 million, 65 is the current figure, right? Uh, They shouldn't have any trace of carbon-14 left in them, but they actually do, just like they have surprisingly raw, live, uh, or not live, but preserved tissue in them. Mm. Blood vessels, uh, ligaments, etc., are actually still there. So they cannot be as old as is popularly believed. 
Lastly, you need to look up why does the world have these dating methods and I shock professors, I shock geologists, I shock you know the public by saying the man who invented these methods, the, the concept of dating, he had an agenda. I'm going to get rid of Moses out of science. Look up L-Y-E-L-L on creationresearch.net Q&A. Right, or fact file. Fact file is another good one too on our site. So you have to first of all challenge their hidden presuppositions. Mm. They've got confidence in what's called science. But I just did a session over the weekend and said, let's look at how confident we can be in the ages of the earth. And we went through all the 10 different ages it's been since I was a student. Uh, It changes all the time. Mm. Whereas God's word has not changed one bit since I first read it. It still says God made the world in just six days and there's no way those days can be anything except days or they're meaningless. That's the point you need to make secondly to a guy, a lady, a friend who claims to be a Christian. Mm. What does this actually mean? Yeah, that's a good good answer. I'll, awesome. I'll go to your website for that information. <laughs> All right, so creationresearch.net, that's the place to go. So press Q&A, Q&A or the fact file. Or press fact file. Okay, excellent. Oh, thank you, Haley. Appreciate you asking the question while you're here. <laughs> thank you for answering. And thank you for doing the uh, live video on Facebook. You, you, you can you check it out this morning. You better post it. Yeah. <laughs> you can ask your questions as well. You can call through on 1-800-316-316 with your questions for John Mackay. Across Australia, this is Rise and Shine with Robbo and Friends on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy. You can call through with your questions of John on 1-800-316-316. Chris has called through with a question this morning. What's your question for John? Did dinosaurs exist while Jesus existed? Did dinosaurs exist while Jesus was on earth? A great question. And as much as people don't like to think it through... uh, Let's take these things in consideration. All things were made by Jesus, so the maker of dinosaurs, the maker of fleas, the maker of dogs and bees is actually Jesus Christ. Um, When he got to earth, I've got no doubt that there are certain creatures that had already died out because the real history of the world is God makes it perfect, sin comes in, death comes, Noah's flood, many creatures begin a very hard road to long, slow, and probably painful extinction like we're seeing with some creatures now. The history of the world is one where creatures are dying out. It's sad, but it's true, and you and I need to take care of the planet to try and stop that if we possibly can. Uh, Secondly, you will find that we have records of dragons. Now, when I talk to Chinese scientists, their word for dinosaur is actually dragon. Uh, If you look at, say, Guanlong, Guanlong Wuki, a famous dinosaur which you can come and see at our Jurassic Ark um, a couple of hours north of Brisbane. We got it because Guanlong simply means crested dragon. right? And the Chinese still call dinosaurs dragons just like the man who invented the, the word dinosaur used to. It's just people in the West don't want to believe that dragons that were still around in the 14 and 1500s recorded in, you know, we call them myths and legends now, St George tackling the dragon and the last dragon dies out in Scotland as soon as the printing press is invented. It's recorded there. I'm, my ancestry is Scot, so I like to bring up these, these ancestral facts of history. So the answer is probably, yes, they were. But just like um, the dogs and the, uh, and the lions wouldn't have dared tackle Jesus Christ, um, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have any trouble with <laughs> dinosaurs, no matter how tiny they were. Did you get that last comment? Because dinosaurs, like crocodiles and that, uh, are reptiles that would have grown every day of their life. But by Jesus' time, they wouldn't have been growing anywhere near as long. They would have had much shorter lives than they would have back in Noah's day. Mm. So they would have been much smaller critters. Fascinating. Well, that's a great question, Chris. So thanks so much for uh, for calling through, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You can call through with your questions for John Mackay, the creation guy, 1-800-316-316. Koshy's given us a call this morning. What's your question for John? Well, I've got two questions. The first one is, what is oh, rather, it's, uh, it's sort of, yeah, it's a question. What is the best uh, argument that we can be- uh, put forward to people who don't believe in the biblical um, genesis about the uh, age of uh, creation or the age of the earth because we believe in a new earth whereas the scientists talk about millions and millions of years. That's the first question. Okay. The second one is recently I was leading a Bible study and uh, suddenly I discovered in Genesis 
that uh, the timing of, or roughly the timing of when the earth was divided. So I would like to know what John thinks uh, is the timing when earth was divided. Because in Genesis, in the beginning, Bible says uh, uh, the earth was, uh, uh, the land was all together and the waters covered the, the face of the earth. Um, and then uh, uh, in Genesis, there is a verse which says, then the earth was divided. So I would like to know what John thinks about that. Okay. The explanation I'm going to give you. Two questions. We hope you've increased your donations to Vision because normal people <laughs> just get one. But uh, the second one is, is easy, Koshi. Um, you see, the first thought in your Bible or the first picture of the earth is the water was in one place, so the land was in the other one place. There was no divided continents. After Noah's flood, which the world we live in, it's now totally different. As to when the world yes. was divided, two things. Remember in the flood, it says the fountains of the deep broke open. Now there is the first yep. cracking of planet Earth. Now most likely the movement of the Earth is occurring during the flood for one simple reason. Whenever we have Earth movements today, it is catastrophic, it is killing, right? It, it, you may remember yep. just 10 years ago when we had that tsunami on the coast yes, of yes. Uh, Indonesia, the ground only moved 10 metres, but it killed thousands and thousands of people, right? So uh, minimal movements today of the earth cause absolute chaos. So do it underwater and you not only ensure that Noah and his family survive, you ensure that everything else is actually killed. Um, the verse you're referring to out of Genesis chapter 11, where it says in, in, in those days the earth was divided, is a reference to actually yes. the Tower of Babel. Right, Its primary context of Genesis 10, Genesis 11 is the Tower of Babel, the division of languages. Remember how God had instructed Noah to spread out and fill the earth? And within 200 years, they'd formed a trade union that says we aren't going anywhere. Uh, we're going to build this big building to our own glory. And so God said, I'm going to make you do it, guys. He divided their languages and the world was divided. So it's primarily a reference to people division not to land a vision. Uh, you can follow that up well, in creation. I, the only, yeah, the only, only during the floods, if the earth was divided, uh, under, um, maybe it's God's supernatural intervention that the ark of uh, Noah's ark survived the tsunamis that would have uh, gone through during that time. Um, it's one. certainly but true, but very think fragile, carefully. Very uh, fragile uh, structure. It was not very, not a superstructure. Second yeah. argument against it is, uh, the when the earth was divided, uh, if you say it is during Noah's time, all the animals were with Noah in the boat. How did uh, things like the kangaroos come to Australia? Um, I mean, they could have hopped across, but it's very difficult to explain that. Yeah, now got, also now got three questions. Aboriginal people, <laughs> sorry, the presence of Aboriginal people in Australia because Aboriginals don't know any art of. Uh, uh, unlike the Maoris, they, they didn't never use boats at all. So yeah, how did they that come is true. to Australia? And when you ask them, they say they walked. And when you go to the coast <laughs> of Australia, as I've done, you will find the trees heading under sea. And in the Northern Territory, you'll find it the same in Tasmania. The sea level was much lower after Noah's flood. So all of this fuss about sea level rising, it's done that many times through history. But immediately after the flood, particularly when the ice in Job appears on the planet, well, ocean levels drop. Secondly, your tsunamis are not a problem for somebody on a boat. Talk to ship's captains, tsunamis are only a problem along the edge of a coast. They do not produce big waves out at sea because waves don't occur till energy hits a barrier. So tsunamis would not have been a problem for anybody in the ark at all. Um, when you go back to your first question, which I'll be honest, I've actually lost track of. <laughs> the um, age of the earth. The age of the earth, yep. right. When you ask people, what you find is that there's two sorts of people out there, and I've said this many times, most people ask questions wanting no answer. So very quickly figure out who they are. Ask the Lord for wisdom. Lord, show me, does this person really want an answer or not? Because you can waste years on the person who doesn't want an answer. Uh, when somebody does want an answer, they first of all have to do what the scripture says. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul and mind. And the devil wants to shut their brain down. So turn it on them and use the technique of saying, well, what, what do you know about the Bible? And they don't. 
So you can look, here's what it says. In six days God made the heavens, the earth and the seas and everything in them. And then say, actually stop and, and think. What evidence would you look for to see if that was true? What evidence would you look for to show that Aborigines haven't been here for 70,000 years? And challenge them, because you may not get as far as you'd like in that conversation, but you've planted a seed which will flourish in most cases. So Mm. it's the technique that matters with that one. But as I said, all of these questions you've just asked are actually dealt with already on creationresearch.net. Click Q&A. Thanks, Kosh. It's been great to talk to you. Yeah, so great questions, Koshi. Thanks so much for your call, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Have um, a great God day. Bless. Thank right. you. You can call through with your questions as well on 1-800-316-316 for John Mackay, the creation guy. Rise and shine on Vision Christian Radio. It's Robbo with John Mackay, the creation guy, with me this morning, getting some great questions in already. And you can add yours as well by calling 1-800-316-316. Uh, also, check out, there's a live video we've done on Facebook this morning. Uh, John brought in a uh, fossilized fish, and it's uh, absolutely fantastic uh, what he showed us on the video. So have a look at that, and that might spur some questions. You can ask those in the comments there. But I've also had a question come in uh, from Graham. Uh, This is uh, one that he texted through for you, John. And it's about, we were talking earlier with Chris about, Mm you know, dinosaurs and, you know, whether they were still around when Jesus walked the earth. And Graham's question is kind of similar to this. It's talking about animals becoming extinct. And he says, what do you think God's plan is or was for animals that are now extinct? Uh, should we be protecting them and saving them? So, uh, I mean, obviously we have had you know certain species that have become extinct. So mm-hmm. what's God's plan in all of that? Well, God's plan is only ever stated very clearly to bring him honor and glory and praise through his creation, right? The minute you start to say it's to get Joe Biden in or Joe Biden out, <laughs> right, you are starting to extrapolate quite a bit. Um, so when you ask the question specifically about animals, Remember, they were created to glorify God in the beginning. That's why everything was very good, because God is good, and the whole creation reflects his nature. Uh, When you have a think about the rest of it, uh, God warned Adam what would happen, um, that sin would bring death, right? Adam is put out of the garden. Death comes upon him, but it's way wider than what Adam would have ever thought. Uh, First of all, his son becomes a murderer. Right, And Adam began to really understand, hey, look, sin is now affecting mm. us. I, I just didn't die. My son was murdered. And uh, then, of course, you start finding by the time of Noah's flood, um, the animals are, start, are going to suffer in this flood as well. And it says the judgment was on man and on the animals, just as the rainbow was a sign for man and the animals. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't just a judgment on man. Uh, so there are some creatures that um, you know many of them would have died during the flood. I doubt if any of them became extinct because two of every kind of land-dwelling, everything animal, yes. was sent to the ark by God. So extinction wasn't part of his plan at that stage. Um, by the time you get to the other side of the flood, you have to think of now, okay, we're post-flood. This is the world that Robbo and I and, and Andrew live in, right? So you'll find that... Uh, you read from Romans 1 to Romans 8. Romans 1, 2, and 3 are about the creation, the coming of sin. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to Romans at chapter 8, it says death has passed onto the whole of creation, not just on people, not just on animals, but even on plants. Death has become mm. the norm. It's tragic, but it's true. Now, if you say, what can I learn from it? Okay, I'll give you an example. We bought a barren cattle block, right, 40-something years ago. Wonderful investment has turned out to be. Now it's in the middle of ex-suburbia. Don't want to sell it. It's beautiful, but we'd certainly get our money back if we did. We planted hundreds and hundreds of trees, but we've been there so long, some of them are dying. Mm. And you think, oh, no, I've spent all this effort getting those forests going, and look, now they're starting to die. Oh, what a waste. But then, okay, sin actually produces waste. Mm. It gives us a measure of time, and if that tree's dying, Hey, John Mackay, you're getting old. You'd, be, you'd better be ready to go that way too. Mm. So there's a lesson in all of these things about our mortality. Mm. Um, sad but true. And yes, God put us in charge of the planet. We will be held accountable for what we do with his animals. Did yeah. you catch how I said that? His animals. Yeah, that's right. His plants. We're stewards of it. Yeah, we're stewards. Yeah, that's right. That's a great point. Well, thanks so much, Graham, for the question. And a great response, and it's good to be reminded that you know that it is. You know, it points back to our own mortality at the end of the day. So we've got to be thinking about our own 
eternal mm-hmm. uh, destination as well. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy this morning, and taking your calls with your questions for John. On 1-800-316-316, Greg's called through with a question. What have you got? My question is, um, how will people interact with animals in heaven? And, you know, is there sort of any evidence that, um, you know, maybe our pets might go there? And and how will we sort of interact with them? Great question. Okay. Um, I always remember the wise old Sunday school who was asked by a tearful seven-year-old, my puppy's just died. Would it go to heaven? And the wise old Sunday school teacher said, if Jesus knows you need a puppy dog in heaven to make you happy, he'll make sure one is there. <laughs> now, she didn't say it would be. She didn't say it wouldn't. But the kid was satisfied to the point of his level of knowledge. Yeah. When you look at yeah, Scripture, yeah, yeah, I thought it was very good. Uh, when you look at Scripture, it describes man, the animals, the planet with three different categories. So man and the animals, sorry, the animals and uh, plants and, and, and man and, and earth are in separate categories, but even though there's a, a threefold division there. Let's go from the bottom. Earth has no soul, no substance, and unless you're into occult mysticism, you don't regard the earth as mother or she, right? Um, it's just dirt. It's minerals. It's no personality at all, no spirit, no soul, no mind. Uh, But when you look at the biblical picture, the earth and the plants that are used for food that God created are in the same category. They have body, but they have no soul. They have no spirit. They have no mind in any sense that we would understand. When you go to your puppy dog, it definitely is regarded as having a soul. So the animals that creep, God uses the same Hebrew word nephesh as he uses for man. Right, So the animals have a soul factor. So that's why my dog loves the, the dog food commercials on TV. His face <laughs> lights up, right? That's why dogs play tricks on each other, and they really do. They have a sense of humor, just like you and I do. But they have no eternal nature. They have no spirit made in the image of God. And that's the aspect of man that sets us aside. We have an eternal component that they don't. So I you know, really feel sad for the Christians who are sort of holding a funeral for their dog and, and looking forward to seeing it in heaven. Um, dogs don't have, we need to be brutally honest with ourselves that if we need puppies in heaven, uh, Jesus will make sure they're there. But here's the second lack of understanding. By the time you get through Revelation, the Lord is going to make a new heavens and a new earth. We were never meant to be spirit beings hanging around heaven forever on cloud 15 playing harp number 92. Uh, We have a new earth where he will dwell with us in righteousness. Now on that planet, it certainly seems there's plenty of room if he wants to make new animals, Mm. if he wants to put, you know, a replica of your puppy dog, it'll make you happy. But I think you'll find you have no memory of a flea-ridden little bitzer uh, that was afflicted on planet Earth and died of arthritis and, and all of those sort of things. All of those memories, there'll be nothing there that you can hark back to. Mm. Uh, it'll be a new heavens, a new earth, and righteousness dwells within it. No death, no suffering, no tears, and I am looking forward to that. No politicians or, or petitions <laughs> yeah. about COVID or anything like that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's a really good question, Greg. Certainly it's a common question. People yeah. often ask that, but uh, a great response, John. Thank you for that. Appreciate the call, Greg. You have a great day. No, thank you. You can call through with your questions for John Mackay, the creation guy. We are rapidly running out of time, but to call through now with your questions, and we'd love to uh, get to them. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends on Vision. 1-800-316-316 is the number to call if you've got a question for John Mackay. Cindy's called through this morning. What's your question for John, Cindy? The show I was watching a couple of months ago, um, I can remember little bits of it, but I've been meaning to ask about it. Mm -hmm. Um, The old civilizations, the Egyptians, the Incas, all those ones that are mystery now, but through history we can learn a bit about it. they were just—they had underground sewer systems. They—they—they they, they, they were just—they had better, you know, the technology we're just mm. learning about now. They—they they had it for a long time. Yeah. But when I look at um, our history, we 
didn't have that. We had we in the old English days we were all paupers and and doing it rough and all that. Um, but how did they get that way back? You know, hundreds of years. How mm-hmm. how were they just? How did they get all that knowledge and technology that's equal to today? Okay, just to give you a brief but slightly bigger version, when you look at Genesis chapter 1, God made Adam in his image. Number one, the world was perfect. It was very good. He didn't need air conditioning. He didn't need anything to kill another creature. He probably would have had to invent a knife, maybe even a boomerang to catch mangoes off the tree that were too (laughs) high for him to fetch. Uh, But in reality... He didn't need the technology that you and I have become so dependent on because we have gone downhill and so has the earth. So there's point number one. Point number two, by the time you get to Genesis chapter four and five, Adam's children and grandchildren have invented metal technology. They are making musical instruments without any musical college. They are learning to found, you know, melt and smelt and and they have to invent thermometers to do that. So by the time you get to chapter 5 of Genesis, we are already into the Middle Age from scratch. Now, a thousand years after that, Noah builds an ocean liner without boat college, right? No technical college certification, no GPS to pay tax on the timber or anything, right? All those things would be invented further down as, as the world continues to decline. But here's a second rate of declination. When you have Noah's flood... Eight people get off. You and I are their descendants. The ancestors of the Aborigines built big boats. They built ocean liners. Then you have them all staying together until they build a big multi-storey tower. The ancestors of the Aborigines were into multi-storey buildings. Same for the Scots, same for the English, same for the Romans, etc., etc. So that's giving you the bigger picture. Where we have got to is a descent from now in the following way. So that if you think of the Tower of Babel, we have a fellow called Nimrod. Nimrod is famous even in the Lord's eyes. It says he was a great hunter. Now, the text in Genesis does not record what he was a hunter of, but all the abundant... He's in many, many cultures, Nimrod, and he was a hunter of men. He seems to have been the guy who simply took you captive and forced you to build the Tower of Babel. He invented specialization. So some people became the bakers, some people became the farmers, some people became the brickmakers, the builders, the oil collectors, right? So society for the first time, however many there were, there were at least 70 family groups at the Tower of Babel because they're listed in Genesis 11 and uh, they became specialized. Now think of the consequences when God comes down and says, that's it guys, I told you to spread out for your own benefit, you're not going to do it. I'm going to make you, I'll give you different languages. One day you are associated with the Brick Builders Corporation. Your brother-in-law is associated with the wheat farmers. His sister is into the bakery. All of a sudden you can't communicate. Now, if you and I were in that circumstance, we watch television, we know an awful lot, we can't even bake a loaf of bread. Once you split up a society, knowledge diminishes very, very exponentially. It's It's fractured. So from then on, if you were an artist at the Tower of Babel, you can do great cave wall paintings, but you can't protect yourself for love or money. right? You can't grow wheat. You become a, a, a hunter-gatherer because you can't do anything else. You might get round to reinventing housing and things like that, but you can certainly paint well. The same is true for the Baker's Union. They have no idea how to run an army. Um, they have to reinvent all of those things, and some people never do. And you need to, over the top of that, to realise that uh, when the Romans arrived in Scotland 2,000 years ago, plus a little bit, my ancestors were cannibals. Right? We, we had plenty of gold stuff, relics and all of that, but in reality we were cannibals. That's why they built the walls across Scotland, not as a tourist attraction, but to keep us out. Uh, we ate the Romans. Um, I mean, we got the bagpipes by stealing them off the Romans and played them so badly they didn't want them back. Um, so, that, I mean, that's basically factual history there. So what you'll find is it's a degeneration with few exceptions. Enter the gospel. Okay, where does knowledge and wisdom come from? The Bible says wisdom comes only from God. So every time the gospel has gone anywhere, you see the technology turn around. 
So all societies have only ever changed the direction from sort of advanced to Stone Age by outside information coming in through missionaries or another culture or whatever. Look at World War II, New Guinea's Stone Age. After World War II, what a dramatic increase, but what cultural chaos as a result as well. So there's the real history, and it's happened to almost every society, and it can happen in one generation. You take our generation now, cut out electricity, cut out solar power. What are the kids going to do with their thumbs? The iPads (laughs) don't work, and they, they can't make a bed. They can't grow food. Uh, we would simply plunge into chaos really fast. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good question, Cindy. So it was always there, this high up, you know, really great fancy technology, but it got lost over time and then it reinvents itself and we get it all back again. Yes, that's right. So it's upsy-downsy and getting... Uh, getting harder and harder to retrieve as it gets a bigger and bigger knowledge base. Mm. So I think um, Isaac Newton would have been the last person to say he knew everything um, because the amount of information... That reminds me, um, what about time travel? Um, That famous scientist um, apparently was working on time travel. That was a bit scary. It it is scary, but in reality we do it all the time. I mean, when you ask me a question... I'm thinking of the answer as you're asking the question and then in my head I have an answer which then is transmitted to my tongue and I listen in reverse so that I have an answer ahead of you, it's ahead of my tongue, my tongue follows my mind but I'm already listening for your next question at the same time. So we do it on a small scale even in our brains, we travel through time and travel back again. So it's yeah. it's, it's a very interesting concept and yes uh, Jesus obviously could do it Um, you know appear one place walk through walls frighten the daylights out of the (laughs) apostles uh, uh, and and then just return to heaven where time doesn't exist so it is a potential possibility but don't get your stocks and shares into it just yet. Yeah that's right Uh, Great uh, great to hear from you Cindy, thanks so much for the call today. Thanks, yep bye. Great questions coming through this morning, you can add yours on 1-800-316-316 and uh, Chris has called through from Ararat. What's your question for John, Chris? Well, somewhere in somewhere in eternity, God created time, and mm-hmm. and we are a part of it. And time started some you know about seven thousand years ago, and it's going to finish sometime. Um, question is, in Genesis one one, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. Shouldn't they say in the beginning of time, God created the heavens and the earth? Well, it actually says in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, so you are actually covered in full because there is no time as you and I know it before that because in eternity, I mean, Robbo's not going to get old. He's not going to go grey or ugly or anything <laughs> like that, and I'm, I'm looking forward to not getting old either. In fact, you know, some people have suggested we stay the age Jesus was when he went to heaven, but that's pure theory. But in reality, um, the time that you and I experience, which is a negative event, uh, on the earth due to the consequence of sin is gone in the new heavens and new earth. I'm sure there will be passing of events so that we will recognise day or night or anything like that. Uh, we'll recognise friends who come and go. So we will have a measure of event um, tracking, but the, the sort of time you and I are used to um, will no longer be in existence per se. So it is there in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and uh, you'll find from then on, verses 1 to 5 are about the creation of the first day because he defines day with light, right? And that's yeah. why, so you'll find that it's not defined in terms of, of our calendar, it's defined in terms of light and darkness and the evening and the morning were the first day. Okay, so that's, that's mm. about the simple way to answer okay. the question. There's a lot, of, again, on the Creation Research Q&A website. Yeah. Oh, great question. Chris, thanks so much for your call, mate. Uh, God bless you. A great way to start your day. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends on Vision. If you've got a question for John Mackay, call through on 1-800-316-316. Marguerite's given us a call this morning. What's your question for John? We're talking about um, Noah and, um, you know, in the Bible it says Noah was perfect and we know that Noah wasn't perfect as in sin, but he was perfect because he was God's, on God's side of the, the um, child. Mm-hmm. So the, there was other people who's, who were the baddies, I don't know their name. Anyway, um, Noah, Noah and all the good people were 
marrying these girls and they were having children to them which changed their DNA um, slightly. So we get to Noah's Flood and all of this happens. Now there's a little island, Polynesian island, somewhere in the ocean. Apparently it's supposed to be only, I've only been told this yesterday, 600 kilometres from Australia and it's called Nandmadol, N-A-N-M-A-D-O-L. And it's got a a heap of sandstone rocks that are up higher than anybody could ever. Like they found that these rocks went right back to um, 10,000 years ago or something and they've had heaps of people searching them and finding out what they're all about because there's no way that these rocks can get up 80 feet or something. I, I haven't seen them but I've just heard about it yesterday. And then I found out that John Mackay was coming so I thought I'd just ask him more. They're filled with um, some sort of power and you can't take any electrical stuff near these rocks and they're up higher than any person. Like they, the, the people now these days have tried to move them with machinery and everything and they still can't pick them up. I don't, don't know whether John's heard of this or not. Let me break your question up into several bundles. The first one about Noah being perfect. Um, the Bible is emphatic in that section in Genesis chapter 6 that Noah was perfect in his generation. Now, perfect, if you look through the translation, means mature, means God-fearing, right? Mm. Or but, blameless is a or word blameless that's often used. blameless is a yeah. word that's often used. But then it goes on to say, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, grace is undeserved favor. Now, the reason why Noah found grace is that Noah was a descendant of Adam and he was a sinner. Right, you don't need grace if you are perfect. So that That's Noah right. was a sinner who needed grace, even though he was perfect compared to everybody else, his children included. His children were not on the ark because of their godliness. They were on the ark because of Noah's faithfulness to the Lord. As Peter says in Second Peter chapter 2, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, both with his words and with his life. Right, So Noah's family was spared purely because of dad. Um, Mum doesn't rate a mention in that. We know n very little about her, except she was Noah's wife. Uh, so, but anyway, her Noah was, Joan, was perfect. Wasn't it? We know yeah, Joan, no, of Arc. Joan of Arc. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that old joke. Um, so, there's point number one. Point number two, um, you will find that it says, and in those days the sons of God took the daughters of men, any that they chose, right? And they, um, the, the giants were in the land in those days. Most people read it, the sons of God took the daughters of men and they had giants. As much as I don't like upsetting apple carts, you know me, Robert, uh, in reality it doesn't say the giants were the children of the sons of God marrying the daughters of men. It simply says several times they were there when the sons of God were marrying the daughters of men. A totally different picture. Uh, the word used for the giants is Nephilim. The Nephilim there are after the flood and after the flood the Nephilim are the people like Goliath, etc., mm. and they are simply overgrown humans, mostly because of busted DNA, uh, like pituitary glands and things like that. Um, so you can look up creationresearch.net, uh, search for Nephilim or giants, you'll find a lot of helpful stuff on that. Now, as to the mysterious island in the Pacific, um, I've been to many islands around the world. Look at my immunisation program to see where I've been, um, you know, to not get all the tropical diseases, etc. But here's what you find. Even in Bass Strait, you go to one of the islands there. In fact, you can even see it north of Sydney. And I watched it myself or I'd have trouble believing it. I was um, not far from um, a, a big cliff, um, a very famous cliff in the USA, and an incredible storm came in from the Atlantic. And I watched that storm pick up granite boulders, uh, a metre, a metre and a half across, and throw them right up to the top of the cliff. Oh, wow. I could not believe the power of the water that was there. You will find in Sydney, we know there's been massive tidal waves in the past, uh, probably before Aboriginals arrived, definitely before Europeans had and it threw huge boulders up on the tops of cliffs. The same is true in Bass Strait. There's a magnificent uh, set of um, a, a tiny bed of fossils that's been picked up out of the sea and thrown up inland uh, on the islands in, in Bass Strait. So it is not as mysterious as most people think. 
Um, you'll also find trying to get bulldozers on these islands is a bit of a mythical um, recounting. Um, if you want to shift those boulders, employ a few waves. Uh, it'll get them, <laughs> get them out as easy as one thing. But yeah. uh, most of these are, I've heard about it, I've heard it somewhere in the Pacific, it's this far away from somewhere else, and somebody told me, uh, always be careful with such second or third hand bits of information, which is why the scripture talks about being witnesses, testimony being the truth. So these are interesting to think through, but mostly they turn out to be at least one step removed from actual fact. Mm. Oh, this is on TV, so this was oh, a program on TV <laughs> talking usually, about, um, yeah, yeah mm. and um, it, it was supposed to have the rocks, uh, the granite rocks that were so large, right up 80 feet that were yeah. ignited um, with whatever, because yeah. I'm not into yeah. science, yeah. and um, you can't take an electrical device near them, and mm. No one's been able to work out how they got to that height. Yeah, well, I've so just you've given, given me an idea yeah, anyway. That's how right. it happened. Oh, that's yeah. good. Okay. So well, again, be careful of TV; it spreads great rumours. Yeah, yes, that's right. I, I I didn't watch it, but because I talk about God all the time, mm-hmm. I'm, some people talk to me and ask me, and yeah, of course, then right. I ask good on you, John Mackay. Good that's on great. You're the professional. Excellent. Good. Well, thanks so much for the call, Marguerite. It's lovely to hear from thanks you. For helping great me. questions. Yes. Thank Have a good you. day. God bless you. John Mackay, the creation guy, has been my guest for the morning, uh, getting some great questions coming through. We certainly it's are. It's been uh, really good. Now, John, earlier you mentioned you're going to be in Tassie on the weekend. I thought mm-hmm. it's worth mentioning this again uh, for those that are uh, in the area that can get along to your brand new creation mm-hmm. museum. Tell us it where is. it is and what's happening. Okay. Uh, if you go to Launceston and uh, travel north half an hour, you'll find the little tourist town of Beauty Point. It used to be the old sort of main wharf for the Tamar River. And uh, on the old wharf there, which is now a prime tourist attraction, at one end you'll see Seahorse World. Now, that's run by our manager, Craig Hawkins, who has sort of got uh, the other end, which is now the Creation Discovery Centre. So you can find the Seahorse World because it's big and spectacular and great to go and visit, by the way. And just ask, how do I get down the other end? Well, there's many ways you can do it. Just walk <laughs> along the wharf, see the fish. It's great. But uh, you'll find it's at Beauty Point, and uh, it is open sort of five or six days a week, and it's family-friendly. It's great. Noah's Ark, d- fossils that we've supplied for years, right? Beautiful displays on the history of uh, races, Tower of Babel mm-hmm. for China and all of that. So really, really great stuff. So just opened a week and a bit ago, and uh, we are really looking forward to seeing you down there if you're in Launceston mm. area or right up on the north coast. You can even travel up from Hobart. It's only a couple of hours yes, max. it's not far, is no, it? No, no. Tasmania's <laughs> just a tiny place compared <laughs> to Queensland. So everyone's welcome there. Bring your friends, bring your enemies, and it's a real budget affordable. Excellent. That's so good. I remember I was at a... Uh conference or a, a day that you did a few years back now and mm. the seahorse world yeah. had a display there and it That's was a right. fascinating it thing really to see was. i mean they're really interesting creatures aren't yeah, they the they seahorses? Are fascinating in fact for your and my production a little later that we're going to be doing on video uh, i bought some seahorse stuff along oh, for great. you so we'll do that separately oh, brilliant but that'll be good looking so. forward to that so if you're in tassie uh get along there just north of launceston uh, but it's open now, and it's a really worthwhile getting along. And I guess while you're there, go and check out the Seahorse World. Oh, definitely. Fascinating definitely. as well. Yeah. But uh, you can see all the details about it. Creationresearch.net uh, is John's website. And, of course, you know, the details for that, the details for Jurassic Arc and mm-hmm. all the different events that you guys are running uh, is on there as well. So check out creationresearch.net. But if you're in the northern parts of Tassie, don't miss the opportunity to get along and to see this brand new creation museum Absolutely that's just brand opened new. up. Rise and shine on Vision Christian Radio. Wrapping up our time with John Mackay, the creation guy. It's been so good having you with us again this morning. Lots of questions coming through. A great variety of questions, which we've enjoyed. And if you've missed any of it, uh, make sure you do check out the podcast. You'll hear all the questions uh, on demand. It'll uh, come up a bit later on today. But, uh, John, just a quick reminder before you go, uh, of course, you'll be in Tassie on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So uh, if people are there, make sure they get along to the brand new. Now, what's it called? The Creation? Creation Discovery Centre. Discovery Centre. Oh, yes. Okay. Creation Discovery Centre, uh, just north of Launceston. Mm-hmm. So uh, get along to that. See the details at creationresearch.net. i got a quick question for you, though, before you go. Uh, this is something that my wife uh, posed oh, a few weeks back now. And it really got us talking and thinking about it, but I wasn't really able to get any real clarity, like just thinking about, I don't really know that the Bible really talks about it so much. And she, the question was, does our soul have a gender? 
So, you know, obviously we, we're you know, male or female here on earth. We die. Our soul goes back to heaven. Do we have a gender when we return to heaven in our soul? So what's, what would be mm-hmm. your response to that question? Okay. A simple correction that most people miss. When you look at the biblical picture of man, we are body, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Right, It is our spirit which is eternal because that's the part of us that's made in the image of God. God is a spirit. right? So our body, okay, Jesus came, he took the body of a man so we would not be frightened to death right, by this angelic being or this amorphous <laughs> spirit. right? So we are made body, soul, and spirit. When you want to go on further to find it, body's easy because you can touch it, right? Mm. Um, your wife's doing a bit of psychology and psychology, psych as in soul, right? Mm-hmm. Wind, spirit, right? Uh, so you'll find that the psychologist has real trouble with the soul. A personality uh, is a good concept, but dogs have personality. Mm. So again, plants have body, animals have body and soul, man has body, soul and spirit, mm. right? So when we are asking questions about does soul or spirit have gender, um, think carefully. God is a spirit and he has gender. Mm-hmm. So that when you look, say, in Genesis chapter 1, even the language, it's a hard question for English people to answer because in the 1400s we stopped using gender for nouns. Right. You still get it in French, mm-hmm. you know, la chaise, le chaise. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it a female chair or a male chair? You know, it's got nothing to do with sex. Sex and gender are two different things. Okay, so when you look at uh, in the beginning God created... Uh, The word for God is Elohim. The I am is plural. The Elohim bit is male. And it's reinforced. You can't miss it in Hebrew because in the beginning God created Beresheth bara. The verb in Hebrew has gender. It's a male verb. Oh, wow. So the person's going, watch it, watch it. Male God, male person, male action. Right? You can't miss it. So you'll find also all the angels. I had to smile. I was at a church recently preaching a Christmas one, and here's all the angels, these lovely girls. <laughs> and I said, what's this gender discrimination? Where are the boy ones? Mm-hmm. And they'd never thought. They all see angels as girls. Yeah. There isn't one gender, female-gendered angel in the Bible. That's right. right? Yeah. You've got so Michael and all these exactly other angels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so no Michaela's. Sorry about that, <laughs> Michaela. We said a birthday greeting to you today. But what you'll find is when you look at Gender, God has a gender and he is a spirit. Mm-hmm. So it is not unreasonable to say that us who are made in his image, we also have a gender. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's different from sex. Of right? course, so yeah. You've got to distinguish yeah. that. And our main confusion in our current society is people have the right to change gender. Mm. Whereas what they're trying to say is people have the right to change sex. Mm. But in reality, both are wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. That's fascinating. So, that's, so what you would say then is... I mean, the question may be better posed, does our spirit have a gender? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Anyway, that doesn't, uh, that yeah, sort of gives us right. more, so more to think about. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Excellent, mate. Really appreciate your time. Appreciate your answers to uh, all the questions that have come in this morning. It's always great having you in here. I love uh, watching you respond. It's just uh, amazing uh, the way that you do. So uh, thanks again, and hopefully we'll have you back uh, real soon on Vision. But if you're in Tassie, make sure you go and say good day to John this weekend at the Creation Discovery Centre. Have a great day, mate. Good on you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.